Blog Talk Radio. Archangels, Ghosts, and Bigfoot, oh my. It's just another night for Supernatural Girls. Real stories, real answers to life's biggest supernatural mysteries. And now, for another exciting interview with paranormal experts from this world and others. Here's your host, paranormal researcher Patricia Baker, on the one, the only, Supernatural Girls. Welcome, everyone, to another exciting episode of Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker, and I am not here with PK tonight. I know a lot of you have been asking about her, and unfortunately, she is still unable to join us. They're trying to figure out exactly what's going on and the best treatment, and I will keep you all posted because I've gotten a lot of emails and messages asking and I will let you all know as much as I know as soon as I know it I promise and of course she's greatly missed and is also feeling very grateful for all the prayers everybody's sending for her fast and speedy recovery so here we are in November I can't believe it's November it's November 10th today I have a great guest for you He is amazing. He is an author, an expert, a filmmaker. His name is Craig Campobasso. He is with us tonight. We are diving deep into ETs, everybody, so hang tight. It's going to be a great show. And I wanted to also mention to please make sure you follow us on Facebook and Twitter so you can keep up with all the exciting stuff that we have coming up throughout the holidays. We're not taking a break here. We're going straight through with super-duper paranormal shows. And I wanted to remind everybody again, property tax bills for all you property owners, don't ignore your property tax bill. Well, you can't ignore that or you'll be in big trouble. But don't forget to go out and get your property record card so you can see how you're being taxed and what you're being taxed on. If you don't do that, then it could be extremely detrimental to you, and you don't have a lot of time. So when they figure out your estimated tax bill, which they usually do this time of year, go to your tax tax assessor's office or go online, get that property record card, and make sure you also get Attorney Patricia Quintilian's book, Are You Getting Screwed on Your Property Taxes? How to Find Out and How to Fix It. It's a great book. It's an older book, but everything in it is still valid. It'll lead you through exactly how you need to do this. With all of our taxes going up thanks to the new administration, it's really important you pay attention to your property taxes. So Attorney Quintilian's book is available on Amazon. Again, the name is Are You Getting Screwed on Your Property Taxes? How to Find Out and How to Fix It. And another great book I want to mention is the Opus Mego Kabbalisticum that I had translated from Old German, first ever translation into English. And it was by Professor Joseph McVeigh, who heads up 
the language, the language, German language department at Smith College. He translated the entire book from Old German. It's an amazing treatise. You've got to get it and read it. It makes a wonderful gift also, by the way. It had never been done before, and we were thrilled to be able to get this accomplished. So two books to put on your list. So tonight, here we go, Into E.T. Land. Now, correct, Campobasso, he is a multiple award-winning filmmaker and Emmy-nominated casting director. He was 15 when he started in the entertainment business. And his young acting career was off to a great start. He landed his first national commercial for McDonald's Chicken Sandwiches and spoke his first line of dialogue to Tuesday Weld in in, in, MOW. I don't know what that is. Craig will have to tell us. Craig directed, wrote, and produced this short film, Stranger at the Pentagon, which was adapted from the popular UFO book authored by the late Dr. Frank E. Stranges. And that... Oh, my God, The Legend of Valley and Thor. What a great book and what a great film. You've got to see that. Now, after production, the short film collected accolades, and in September 2014, it won Best Sci-Fi Film at the Burbank International Film Festival, selling out all the seats, a first for the festival. Well, his awards go on and on. I could keep talking about him all night, but I'd rather bring him on the show because he's got some great information for us. And, you know, we want the best information and the latest information. Craig has it. So, Craig, welcome to the show. Hey, I'm so happy to be here. And, by the way, M.O.W. is a movie of the week. Remember movie way of back the week. in the day? Oh, my God. Yeah. Why didn't I know back that? Back in the day, it would be <laughs> like the big people who did them were James Gardner, Farrah Fawcett, Jacqueline Smith, right. you know, yes. Lindsay Wagner. So those were the old uh, movies of the week when they used to make those all the time. Uh, that's right. Yeah. Now and, it's and, binge and, watching. Yeah. And 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 it makes me feel good that you know who Tuesday Weld is. <laughs> <laughs> I do indeed. I yeah, absolutely do. <laughs> yeah, one of the biggest movie stars of her time back then. So she certainly yeah, was, so. and what an honor for you! My goodness. Yeah, it was really exciting. It was really exciting to sit with her uh, in a scene and, you know, get a line of dialogue with her. So exactly, was, uh, exciting oh for me as a very young actor. So it was cool. That's very, very cool. And, you know, your movie, <laughs> Stranger at the Pentagon, it was so excellent and very much deservedly got those awards. It was great. It's one of my favorite stories ever about what happened yes. with uh, Valley and Thor. Just an amazing story. So, But how did you get into UFOs and all this crazy stuff? Tell us how you got into it. Well, when I was 26 years old, I had a spiritual awakening. I wasn't even into science fiction or anything like that. Um, and once I had this giant awakening... Um, where I went from being totally asleep to being awake after a, a major two-year waking period, um, I started to get uh, very interested in all things that were out in the universe 
to learn about um, extraterrestrials and um, contactees especially. And so I started researching and doing, uh, going to a lot of the conventions and meeting the ufologists and becoming friends with them and going on investigations with them um, and traveling, you know, all around uh, the States. And uh, so I just, uh, I myself became immensely interested in them, but I really loved hearing the, uh, the contactees who were having face-to-face contact with extraterrestrials right. and, and, and trying to figure out why were these being specifically chosen, right? And yeah. the one thing that I learned in every single case is that that contactee was a starseed from where those beings were from, and it was a part of their soul contract coming in. And so, yeah, very interesting. And even in the case of Dr. Frank Stranges, um, I just knew that he was, because remember, I I was with him the last um, seven to eight years of his life. It was between seven and eight years. uh, And I was with him at least once a week. And I spoke to him every day or several times a day on the phone. So I got to learn a lot about him. And when I took on the job of of writing the script for the feature film, Stranger at the Pentagon, um, I would go to his house and I would sit with him. And I would, uh, all of a sudden, he would start, talking in a little slightly different cadence and he was Hmm. saying some really brilliant smart stuff and when I looked at his eyes his eyes were not his eyes I knew that Valiant Thor was talking directly through him oh my gosh and I tested And I tested my theory when, after he had said some stuff to me, I would then say to Dr. Frank, so you, when you, when you said this, and he looked at me and he goes, I never said that. (gasps) Oh, gosh. And I went, okay. Now, I've had the luxury of knowing a lot of the people throughout the years when he was alive who went to his um, council, I think they, what did he call them? Uh, Council of Light or something, uh, Mm -hmm. something meeting that he held. And, you know, there'd be about 100, 150 people fly in from all over the world in Las Vegas because Victor One was actually stationed at Lake Mead. So he would... um, uh, you know, so we know that he would interact with Valiant Thor and the vice commanders during that time and have an extended stay afterwards and sometimes visit, you know, their craft and uh, some of the uh, crew members. So it was, 
it was just fascinating because there um, now everyone believes that Valiant Thor is Venusian. He was living on the interior of Venus for quite some time, but mm-hmm. my personal gut tells me he was not from Venus. But I think my feeling was is he may have been stationed in the Pleiades. And then Dr. Frank had told me he was given his assignment for Earth way before 1957. So when he was was living on the interior of Venus, he would come back and forth to Earth. But he said that um, he was very antsy to start his mission and so, um, so I, I believe because some of the, uh, a lot of the crew members are Venusian, and I believe that Dr. Frank was Venusian. Ah, I just felt okay, that there connection. was a connection, soul thing that happened there um, because he was in the right place at the right time. Uh, he was doing a, a two-week uh, uh, talk at a local church in Washington, D.C., and one night he spoke on UFOs and the Bible, which he always did, and he would talk about all the different things, uh, you know, about the different things in the Bible that pointed to uh, life elsewhere in the universe, and then he would talk about George Adamski and uh, that type of thing. So, um, and then then he is invited to go meet with Valiant Thor, and he meets with him. And really, if you put two and two together in the giant puzzle, it was all perfect timing because there was no way the government was going to let anyone know that Valiant Thor existed. Yeah, and Valiant Thor (laughs) went on purpose to Howard Menger's UFO lecture in his backyard, where many what they called people from elsewhere visitors, human visitors, would go and meet with Howard, and um, uh, and so and there was a way, and those photos that were taken were taken by a retired Air Force photographer and an amateur UFO buff. So, mm-hmm. um, so that photographer was friends with Dr. Frank, and they both lived in New Jersey where Howard Menger lived. So that's how Dr. Frank first got the first photograph of Valiant Thor, and he used to put the photograph up, and he would tell the story of him being at the Menger's farm as told to him by August Roberts, the photographer. And really the now, story is this. Before but, you go any further, though, because with yeah. Augie's photos, what did Valiant Thor look like? I know everybody wants to know. Those are the questions I'm getting right now. What did he look like? Well, they uh, you can see what he looked like on uh, my website, strangeratthepentagon.com, those photos. Uh, or on the site, just toggle through the different pages and you'll find them. But he was six foot one. He had light brown hair, although in the pictures because of the lighting and the brill cream of the day, 
<laughs> because, you know, he did come here to look just like everyone else. And everyone at that time, when all the guys were putting brill cream in their hair. So uh, <laughs> anyway, I don't know if he really did brill cream, but long, yeah, but that's, you know, he did have something in his hair to push it back. Right. right. And he uh, had the look. He always. Right. He always wore a blue suit, although it looks darker, and he always wore a white tie. So, um, and he was very handsome. Um, I would say the actor uh, that looks closest to him today is Lee Pace. He's currently starring on Foundation on Apple TV. Um, okay. And he started many, many movies. Um, and a lot of people kind of think he looks like Jimmy Stewart, but I don't. Um, mm-hmm. But he's, uh, you know, he's a very, you know, he's a very handsome fellow and he has perfect features because you have to remember this is a creative being. Um, I would put him in a classification of high seraphim. Uh, Dr. Frank also believed that as well. And um, you have to remember when you're in your soul perfection body, uh, you are going to mirror the inner is going to be mirrored on the outer as well. So, um, so that, you know, that was, um, uh, you know, the, the whole thing uh, with, with the story there is that um, it was confirmed uh, to Augie by Howard that it, that Valiant Thor and his vice commander Dawn and the woman with them, Jill, who is the wife of another vice commander named Zan, that they were, um, that they definitely weren't from here because they gave Howard the, the secret handshake that all visitors huh. gave him so he would know if they were from here or not. Because oh, you really couldn't cool tell anybody apart. So that was very cool. And um, anyway, it's, it's just, you know, it's such a fascinating story. And because I was with Dr. Frank for so long, I, you know, I, I was entrusted with the story. Valiant Thor wanted me to make the movie along with Dr. Frank. And so, uh, you know, then we lost Dr. Frank. And uh, in 2008, and uh, I decided uh, to make a short film to raise the funding uh, with investors, because that's how you do it these days. And, mm-hmm. um, and then everybody in the world wanted to see it. So <laughs> I, I decided to release it and that kind of thing. It really is just a few scenes, several scenes from the movie that, that has a little bit of a little thoroughfare of what is going on. And then I sort of left it with a cliffhanger ending. So people, the investors would go, well, what happened? I want to know what yeah. happened. Well, and say, write more. a check. Write <laughs> <laughs> a right. check. <laughs> that's how you see more. So exactly. That's how you do it. So I'm still raising the money to make the uh, feature film. Everything's ready to go. It's amazing. And, all of that. So, um, well, it's such an and, intriguing story, and you're so lucky that you got to spend so much time with Dr. Frank. Yes. And 
you know, to me, I never met him, but after reading his book, I, I felt like he was so genuine, and there was nothing about him that was doing this for his own gain. It was really no. just something he wanted everybody to know about, that this really did happen. Well, you know, here here's the other thing. People think if you have a book, you're really wealthy. Uh, I know, <laughs> that really. is like yeah, the right. farthest thing from the <laughs> truth. I mean, exactly. he didn't. He didn't. He, he didn't have a publisher for Stranger at the Pentagon. He he had to pay to get them printed, and when he would go and and do a talk or book signings, he took them. And if people bought them, they bought them. He didn't make hardly any money with any of the books that he wrote because this is sort of how it was done. And you have to remember that a lot of times when you go and do speaking engagements, you have to pay for your own expenses. Yeah. So especially back then. People, yeah. That, so yeah, especially back then. So, you know, he loved speaking. And, um, you know, the thing is, is that the original point of what I was getting at is that Valiant Thor picked him because he would become the grassroots campaign that let the world know that he exists. Mm-hmm. Yes. You see. So yeah. there, and so when he spoke going all over the world, he was always accompanied by two of the vice commanders, Commander Dawn and Commander Thawn. Commander Dawn is also in the photo with uh, Valiant uh, and Jill, very handsome guy, looking straight into camera so we get a whole, you know, uh, front of his face as well. And mm-hmm. um, so that's how the story got out. And then, of course, since I've been around, I've had many, many people, I, which, of course, I cannot prove, who said, I worked in the Secret Service way back when. I worked at mm-hmm. the Pentagon. I worked at right. this high classified thing. And they all give me the whisper, it's true. Right? Uh-huh. But, yeah. Yeah. But I, all, and I also used to do a radio show with a guy, um, oh, and I can't remember his name, but I would talk to him on the side a lot. And he said, look, I used to be in the CIA. And he said, this story is true. And he said, I had Dr. Frank on my show and I'm going to, I just want to keep having you on so we can keep talking about it. And that kind of thing. He, he ended up passing away, but um, he was great. And uh, so there's just all these little things. And of course I had my own, um, my own experiences where I do know that they exist, although I have never met them in the flesh. So, wow, what an adventure. And oh my yes, goodness, but I've met, amazing. They were I've met keeping that secret. Several people. Yeah, I met several people who have met him in the flesh. And the two, the husband and wife team that met him were the ones that introduced me to Dr. Frank. And then I met okay. two other women separately who met him in the 60s when he returned. Hmm. 
and they were they were girls uh they were uh teenagers 15 16 17 around that age at the time so um and dr frank was with him in one of the meetings that uh where where uh a ufo group was brought to meet him out in the desert and they saw the craft flying at night and um and she said that uh she said that was valiant thor they introduced him and dr frank was with him amazing so i mean so there's just all these amazing stories so so yes um, and you've had the the so, benefit of of meeting extraterrestrials yourself but I mean, of course you've had this experience with dr frank but you've had so much more i mean your next series is is out right now, right? It is. So the um, the extraterrestrial species almanac, right, is a compilation of all of my favorite races from a lot of contactee cases. So these this is information directly from the contactees, and in cases where there wasn't a contactee, I was able to find hybrids of the race that were a hybridization uh, with the human and that um, uh, some of it was, some of that DNA was put in their embryo before they were born. Some Mm -hmm. of it was put in and into their DNA later on. Um, I had a dear friend who had, three kinds of extraterrestrial DNA. Her father was in the military and had access to it, and they were doing a a genetic exchange program. And so um, there were three kinds of DNA put into uh, the eggs of his wife. You know, why? uh, I've got to stop you right there. Why would anybody do that to their child without knowing what could happen? I mean... Well, so... I don't know. I don't know what what his reasoning was, but maybe they maybe the ETs told him that it would have been it would be a special child. Actually, it was twins, and the sister pa- the uh, the sister passed away, and the and the other uh, sister uh, lived on, uh, I believe, into her fifties. Mm-hmm. And and was uh, very benevolent, and was into the whole extraterrestrial culture and raising consciousness on Earth. Mm-hmm. So she really had a great, big, beautiful purpose here. Um, mm-hmm. And she did look slightly different. Her fingers were a little different, and mm-hmm. her eyes were aqua. And wow. uh, her skin uh, was like a really kind of glowy white but it had a little different texture to it and um she was just um a love bug um i'm gonna text you her picture because i just found my picture with her before she passed away when i went to visit her yeah i'm not sure if uh, anybody knows who cynthia crawford is but uh she she told her story and um she was just just such a beautiful human being. Um, let's see. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd love to see it. And certainly we've had people on the show um, who've talked a lot about hybridization programs. And I've heard personally from children of military people that are, you know, have been experimented on. And some of them haven't right. been very happy about it, I have to say. Uh, this is a unique right. situation that you're mentioning now that seems to have uh, some kind of a better outcome. But some of the people I've talked to, they really didn't like the fact that their dads kind of handed them over for right. experiments like this. Yeah, <laughs> they're like, ah, no, yeah. we don't get along today, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, um, but anyway, so the book, the book uh, is a compilation of 82 races. I uh, I had to pick from over a hundred that, that I have investigated and because the publisher wanted me to keep the book under 300 pages and do thumbnail reviews. And then in the back of the book under further reading, like for instance, if you read about the clarions of which I have real photographs of a male and a female clarion that, that the actual contactee allowed me to use in the book. And um, so you could go to the back of the book and look under further reading, Clarion, and find the book of, uh, of the actual contactee so that you could learn about that case even further. So there's uh, lots under further reading. And, um, uh, and then there's an extraterrestrial whose photograph I photographed, um, uh, several years ago on an investigative case. So I put that at the very back of the book under the unknown alien because we didn't know, you know, we don't know where they're from or who they are. Uh, but it was later said um, after being identified by those in the know that it was a race that started visiting Earth in the 50s and that this is the first time that they had seen that this race was visiting again. So, um, yeah, but there was no uh, malevolence uh, that they talked about at all. So, yeah, um, yeah. So, so the good news is, is that uh, for our Italian brethren and sisterin, is the book <laughs> uh, was released in Italy uh, two weeks ago. Oh, in Italian. How so, cool is that? Uh, that's, that's going. And then the publisher just sold the Spanish translation right. Uh, so the book will be in Spanish next year sometime. And, that's great, uh, That's going to be very, very exciting. And, um, and then one other little tidbit uh, about the book is uh, when I was writing it, I was able to find uh, uh, my my stepfather adopted me when I was one. I never knew my biological father. Um, Mm -hmm. And I found my biological father in uh, 2019 when I started writing the E.T. Almanac. And uh, he had passed away, but I, through DNA got connected to his brother and, oh. uh, and his family. And so he, uh, 
he ended up, you know, I went to dinner with him and one of his sons, and uh, the first the first time uh, about two years ago, and he um, he told me that uh, my biological father was in the Air Force and that he worked for Project Blue Book. Oh, get out! See, so get that right? I mean, yeah, and then. <laughs> You know, and then I'm like, okay, well, I'm writing a MUFON book. They're both kind of did the same thing. And I've been in the film industry since I was 15. And when he left the Air Force and came back to L.A., he ultimately became the head of construction at Warner Brothers for film and TV sets. Jeez. Well, the apple right? is not so far from the tree, huh? That's yeah. right. That's right. So... Gosh. So that was just very fascinating. And um, and the other exciting news is that I have been working on bringing the Extraterrestrial Species Almanac uh, and making a documentary out of it. So we are uh, just a little under halfway there. Um, we've been interviewing a lot of the actual contactees, uh, hybrids, um, people in the know. What I wanted to do with this documentary was to not bring on a lot of the same people in the UFO community that are in other documentaries. I wanted yes. people to hear uh-huh. it firsthand from the people who experienced it. And uh, and there are a few who are uh, people who were quite famous in the industry who have come out in the documentary to talk about their own experiences for the first time on camera as well. So, so that's really good. So we're uh, doing that. Then what I'm going to do is bring uh, all the extraterrestrial species to life through CGI or computer generated images it's like going and seeing a Marvel movie where every, you know, you see all the creatures and you see everything and all of that. And then, of course, inside their spaceships and um, things of that nature. So um, anyway, I've, uh, I've had to start a, um, a GoFundMe campaign uh, for people who would like to help uh, with, uh, getting the CGI created because, wow, I didn't realize it was going to be this expensive in this day and age <laughs> yeah. when I started getting all of the, the quotes and stuff because I had raised money privately uh, already, and uh, but I definitely was going to need a larger chunk of uh, $10,000. I think we're at, uh, and it's been two weeks, we're at 2500 I think, right now. So well, then you're uh, growing. So. That's great. And just so everybody knows, in the show description on the Blog Talk Radio Supernatural Girls page, you can also find those links. If you want to participate in the GoFundMe campaign, that link is there. Also, if you want to buy a personalized autographed copy of the book, uh, you can get the link there to have uh, Craig autograph it and send it to you. So those two links are in the show description for tonight's show, just so if you want that, you know where to go to get it. Yes, thank you so much. So, so 
So that's going to be very exciting. So I, I would assume hopefully, you know, we could get this out by, you know, fall next year, something like that. But uh, if people want to learn more when they go to um, either the Stranger at the Pentagon website or the autobiography of unanet.com website, hit the subscribe button. Uh, so that you'll be up to date when I send out uh, updates on everything that's uh, going on, um, especially, you know, if you're interested in wanting to know when that, when the uh, ET species almanac is going to be released. I do have another MUFON book coming out next October, and um, I can't say what it is yet, but it is super exciting, and... I'm like so jazzed with it because I got to work with loads and loads of MUFON investigators. So, um, so we'll be sending uh, that out when I can release, uh, you know, the title of the book. We're still figuring that out. We're, we're almost there. And, uh, and then what the subject matter and all of that is. So, Gosh. So that's very well, exciting. you better be coming back to Supernatural Girls for that one. Oh, yeah. Sounds oh, very, will, very exciting. Sure. So you have we another series. Sure. Yeah, you better. I'm going to track you down. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> the other thing that, well, there's a lot of things I want to talk to you about tonight. I mean, you're, you've got so much information, Craig. And, you know, so many people come to the show and they talk about stuff, and we've heard it all before. But not you. Right. You always have really good new information. And there's a lot of talk right now about two warring factions of aliens that are affecting our lives on Earth right now. Um, I know you have a perspective on aliens that's a little bit different, that you tend mm-hmm. to see them more in a positive light. So we just want to know what... What do you know about all of this? What's going on? What's new in in your experience with alien intervention and alien living aliens living here? I mean, just looking at that picture you sent me of Miss Crawford, I mean, yeah. you could not tell. If I passed her on the street, I would not right. know that she's a hybrid. But if you if you were to look into her eyes and see that, like in that photo, you can't see her aqua eyes. But also, if you were to see her hands, they're just a little bit differently shaped. Um, mm-hmm. I, have, I have seen people throughout my life, and I could probably count it on two hands, where I knew that they were not from here. And they mm-hmm. knew that I knew that they weren't from here because they looked at me and they either scurried away in a hurry or they smiled. And I'll give you one of my favorite examples. I, I yes. went to the Harmonic Convergence in Sedona, which is in 1986, I believe, or 87. And then all of my friends were like, oh, my God, I want to go to the next one. So they did a Harmonic Convergence, too. And I took three friends of mine to Sedona. And I took them to Bell Rock, and then we went to this Mediterranean restaurant because I knew you could it, – it, it sat up um, higher, 
and you could sit on the patio and overlook Sedona, and it, you know it's beautiful at night and that kind of thing. And mm-hmm. and so we we come in and we sit at a table, and sitting at the next table is a man that's six foot five or 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 taller, with blonde hair down to uh, not, like not halfway past down his back but a little above that right Mm -hmm. his feet look like they're a 15 right like huge feet and the woman was smaller demure and she had long hair and when I looked over at them I was like oh my god they are not from here and I couldn't tell my friends because they were literally <laughs> within ear distance, right? Yeah. And the woman, once once she knew that I knew, she was pulling her hair in front of her face. She was trying to cover it. But the guy was like, this is fun, right? <laughs> and, and he looked at me, and he's smiling, and, uh, you know, and he's, he's eating. She's not eating. And, um, and then I said, I, I said this to my friends out of just to get a gauge of what they would do. I said, Hey, did you guys ever see that movie, the brother from another planet? And then that guy at the other table just burst out laughing. Right. (laughs) And so, so I thought to myself, I need to get their picture. So I stood up. And I said to my friends, now, squeeze together, because I wasn't going to shoot a picture of my friends. I was going to shoot it over their heads and get those (laughs) two on camera, right? And when I did, I heard her telepathically say no, and she tried to stop me from taking a photograph. She wanted to stop the film and the camera, and I said no. I said, I will be very respectful, and I will will never show these to anyone. And so I was able to get a couple of shots um, off. And, you know, but, of course, she's trying to cover her face with the hair and uh, that kind of thing. And uh, then uh, one sign that you know, if you look at somebody and you're like, they are so E.T., if they're on a motorcycle – most likely they are because craft and stuff is usually way out in the desert and they will, they need something to get back to the craft. So they use a motorcycle to do it with. Right. Um, Yeah. So these two, like we were, I was able to look over to see them get on the motorcycle and leave and drive away because she was making him hurry up to eat because she was extremely nervous. And um, mm-hmm. I don't really know why. What was I going to do? You know? So yeah, right. now, of course, talk. in hindsight, I wish I would have went and talked to them. <laughs> well, yeah, I was going to ask you. you, know? you describe, I have to say this, and I hope sometime you can share this photo with me because you just described two friends of mine that, I mean, I'll have to tell you the story at some point, but yeah, and I'm pretty sure wow. that uh, the guy is a Pleiadian. He is at least part Pleiadian. Yes. He's super yes. tall and yeah. blonde hair. 
So I, yeah. if you don't mind, sometimes show me. I'll let you know <laughs> who they are because I know I, well, I you know, know the name. I've been trying world. to find the photograph. I've been trying oh, to find, you gotta it. find it, Craig. And, and where <laughs> I thought it was, it's not there. So oh, I, I, I'm going to just put out some sort of juju to the universe to point my head <laughs> in the right direction so I can find it. And if I do, I definitely will send it to you. Yeah, but and I, I can. I I can... When... I'll send a picture that I have back to you. So maybe just by looking at that, you can tell me if they're the same people. That would be too oh, funny. Oh, yeah, I could. I, I could do it that I way. I definitely tell my you. goodness. And, and also, I've heard a lot about uh, Pleiadians being in that area. Um, yes. People that have seen the Pleiadians, that they are taller than us, and that they, they've seen them walk up these, um, these, these red rocks like nothing. I mean, yes. and in a matter right. of minutes, they're at the top. It's like physically impossible for a human, but yes. lots of stories like that about that area, and the very tall Pleiadians that that live there for, I guess, because the energy is so fabulous. But um, I yeah. know the traffic is terrible. So anyway. Well, it it is as long as you know, just don't go in the summer months. So you know, winter is a little bit, but it gets cold and it can snow, and you're not able to do too many outdoorsy things. But uh, unless but you're it rugged is... New Englander, <laughs> right? Exactly. Like, hey, to watch exactly. that's warm weather. But anyways, yeah. it's just it's so exciting uh, for you because you keep. Yeah. Having adventure after adventure with these entities, and the other thing that I love about having you on the show talking about them is you're not afraid. And we've no. talked to a lot of people who are, and you're not afraid, even though we've heard some of these races and some within these races can be quite threatening and dangerous to right. humans. So, how do you deal with that? How do you stay calm and? Well, a lot of a lot of uh, things. Uh, over the years is was a lot of practice is that if you keep your temple your body in a in a beautiful working order by not polluting it with lots of alcohol cigarettes drugs um, bad food you know like different things like that if you meditate if you do things to help keep yourself in balance that those things are pretty much kept at bay. You can call upon uh, the master teachers. You can call upon the archangels, the created beings, the God force, whatever you want to do it for your own protection. Because a lot of people, when they begin this journey, they open up psychically and what they don't understand is sometimes they start feeling the psychic attacks from the dark side because that dark side doesn't want you to advance. It wants to keep you dumbed down and stupid because if right. you're dumbed down, then they can keep control of the planet. But if you advance and you get to a certain point, you are going to keep going and going and going. And then, then you ignite and, and you start igniting people around you into their own spiritual awakening, into their own experience. And so as, this keep, as all of these ignitions keep happening, then 
there, the, the dark beings can no longer live on a planet once it reaches a certain um, uh, reveration of light. They, mm-hmm. It freaks them out, right? So, yeah. so that's how you can do protection. I also created, um, uh, because I, I in, in my experiences, have, had, uh, have worked a lot with and been visited by uh, the angelic realm. And I mm-hmm. asked them for what, what is a good thing of protection and I received um, a thing that I did up in there. It's called the, uh, the Divine M Trinity, and it's called the Universal Seal of Protection. Um, they're on my website, autobiography of onet.com, under other books. If you scroll down, uh, they're mm-hmm. there. Um, and it's, uh, it's the three divine M's. The cobalt blue M is for Archangel Michael. The gold M is for the Arch Archangel Metatron. And the uh, silver M is for uh, Father Melchizedek, who is the architect of the universe, the spiritual university um, called University at Melchizedek. Um, and we're going to start talking about that. I guess we can do that now. Do we have time? We certainly do. Oh, because good. I know a lot of the people, no. as I mentioned in our audience, they want to know, well, okay, if other people are able to communicate with an extraterrestrial, I'd like to try that too. So what advice do you have for them? How do they do that? Well, anybody and everybody can. And uh, just make sure that you have done your protection and everything before before you start. If you want to see craft in the sky, um, the the very first documented one was by from a man named Alfred K. Bender, and he was um, he had a little UFO group of a couple hundred people from around the world, and he wanted to create something called World Contact Day. And so he sent out a thing and said every, he wanted everyone to um, meditate at the same time around the world to call in the ETs so that they could see their craft and communicate with them. And in the part of his speech, uh, part of it was calling uh, that we are calling occupants of interplanetary craft. We want to make a contact with you. Well, the group Klaatu made it into a song, and the Carpenters later sang it as well. It is a beautiful song. If nobody has ever heard it, you can listen to both renditions on YouTube um, of calling occupants of interplanetary craft. Now, once he executed this, he was also the very first man to be visited by the men in black who told him to stop. Ugh. Because That's a visit nobody wants to have. <laughs> nobody wants to have, but it was for the very reason that if you know that you have this power to connect to these intelligences, 
that are benevolent and loving and that you could learn from them. And a lot of the learning comes from downloads and them watching over you once you make a connection, right, is that then they want, they didn't want that. They wanted that severed, again, to keep everyone dumbed down. So, so huh. he was the very first one. Back in those days, there was a man named Gray Barker who had the Sotharian Press, and he was the one that published a lot of these books. And he did the first Men in Black book um, on Alfred K. Bender's story. Um, weirdly and strangely enough, ever since I brought Valiant Thor back through the short film and all of my talks, they have taken all of Gray Barker's books, and they are all now authored by Valiant Thor. Oh, my. Go figure. So yeah. I want everyone I want everyone to know Valiant Thor never authored a book. Yeah, he was an advisor yeah. to Dr. Frank on Outwitting Tomorrow, but he has never authored a book. Because people come right. in, and I've looked online, there's about ten, fifteen or more, all with Valiant Thor as the author. So um, if anyone wants to know about Valiant Thor, just read Stranger at the Pentagon, right? That's, yeah. that's, that's where you're going to get it right from the source, Dr. Frank. So, um, Exactly. Yeah, so that's how people can talk to ETs. Of course, Dr. Stephen Greer has taken that, and he does that in his CE, I think, what is it called, three, five sessions, where you mm-hmm. can go out and do that. I do it myself when I go to Sedona, and um, uh, we always uh, bring night vision binoculars. Um, mm-hmm. And what we do is we, we, you sit, you meditate, you call and put out your intention and say you would like to see something. You look through the night vision, and you will see crap zipping by. You'll see the last time or the second to the last time I was in Sedona, I saw two craft tracking so fast across the sky that you, you couldn't believe it. Um, the one place that I've gone is Eseti Ranch in Trout Lake, Washington, which is right. Uh, you can see Mount Adams from the sky field at Eseti Ranch. And now it, you can. Who's the gentleman there? Because he's been on the show, and I'm trying to remember his uh, name. James Gilliland. Jim, James Gilliland, Gilliland. Right. Yes. You know, I got to ask so, you this question since you've been there, because he yeah. brought something up, and I want to know what you think about it. One of the things, the questions he raised, or not the questions, statements he brought up, was that when they see a blue craft coming or something with a bluish color, that they know that that's kind of the good side. Those are the white hats. But right. the red ones, mm-mm, they stay away from those. So that's that's what he had to say about it. And I was wondering, what was your experience out there? Did you see any red ones or blue ones, or what did you see? Well, um, the, I saw lots of lights on Mount Adams at night. And then one big, bright, white light craft came and then they they have a uh, a person you know an employee of ESETI who's out there with everyone this is the only person that's allowed to hold a laser pointer 
And then what everyone does is they put, they say, okay, let's put our intentions out for them to power up. And they shine the uh, laser at the craft. And all of a sudden the craft goes, and it expands its light like three times. And you see it going like um, pulsating. And then sometimes they'll say, can you move to the right? Can you move to the left? And you will actually see the craft doing that. Um, But, I've only been there once, and I, I've never heard James talk about that, but he would know because he lived there and has been there for many, many years. So, mm-hmm. um, But that place, that place is like a UFO magnet. You could go there on any given night, and you're most likely to see a craft or a Bigfoot. They have, like I think, three Bigfoots that come on the property. Um, that is so cool. And what... Yeah, and one even um, uh, sort of interacted with a guest. Like, it stopped, it saw the guest, the guest saw it, and the Bigfoot kind of almost smiled, it seemed, and then took off back in the forest because they come in and uh, take the apples from the tree, so, you know, to to eat off of. So, and James Mm -hmm. is, you know, he's like, "They, they can eat whatever they want, it's, yeah. <laughs> Everything is free of charge. <laughs> that's that's so, probably a good way to <laughs> to approach it with them. Yes. Oh, that's is. really wonderful. What a great ranch it that is. they have out there. Yeah. It is. It's amazing. It definitely now, is. is. But if it, I'm just so, going to say, so if anybody's going to visit, go to their website and look at all their rules and everything because um, you're you're going to want to definitely be prepared with. All, all that kind of stuff. I think the last time I looked, they did not want anyone visiting if they were vaccinated. Wow, isn't that something? Yeah, and I know. So, so make sure you read it. I don't know if it's changed. The last time I looked was a couple of months ago. So, um, just just did they take say a look why? and see. You know, I don't remember. I actually don't remember, but I, I, that just sort of stuck in my mind. So um, Yeah, because there's been such a push for everybody to get that jab. And, uh, you know, so yeah. it's interesting that they're yeah. taking a stand in the other way. And they must have their reasons. Mm-hmm. So very right. interesting. Yes, sure. I'll have to go read up on that. Yeah. Now, what yeah. about E C what about this, E-T-I. And What about yeah. this this concept that I just heard about from a remote viewing group, Farsight, about two warring alien groups that are having a tug of war over this planet and what's going on right now. Have you heard about that? Do you know about that? Well, I'm I'm sort of reading some material that I just got um, in books that um, I'm looking over. Look, I've heard... I've heard the big one of the draconians and uh, all of uh, of that, but here is here is how the enlightened beings see all the planets and the entire universe. We are all born from the same primordial atom. Therefore, everyone is one in the same. Now, we all know here on Earth, we're not all one in the same. We can believe it and feel it and and execute it in our hearts, 
but we all have different struggles and we all have different stuff. Why? Because we're living in duality. Up there, they're fully conscious beings. Their heart is actually connected to their mind. They're working at a higher vibrational level of love and thought. So they see every planet. Planets do not belong to any race. They belong to everyone. They are put here for everyone to live and have a beautiful experience in this 3D reality. But then you get our planet, which is in duality, and then you and because the negative and the positive forces are here to help the planet rise up out of duality in a strange sense because the negative is actually helping that but um and I'll get to that in a minute but the the Warring stuff has gone on for years and years and years over planets and territory and resources and all of those things. What were what were the two races that are supposedly warring? Did do you know? I don't know yet because I have not had the time to sit down and listen to their um, their big remote viewing experience where they break it all down. Right. I've just heard the trailer to it, you know, saying that these two warring factions are the ones that are shaking the jar of ants, you know, making us fight each other. Um, one, and we need to know how to handle this. So, so I thought it would be a good thing to talk to you about because it sounds like they may be onto something, but I don't know. Well, there, and this is all uh, how I understand it. This, all this stuff is done again behind the scenes to where the people are unaware of it. So right. again, for everyone to be as aware as possible and to know to spiritually advance yourself so so that we can actually um, bring this planet back into a harmonious um, state of being. And um, and then these warring factors are are, are gone. Now we uh, the one thing I do know is we have a very huge angelic presence. Um, we know that Valiant Thor is still here. He is not leaving until this planet has gone into the changeover, and it then rejoins the rest of universal society. So. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to remember that uh, even advanced beings such as Valiant Thor know that these negative energies and entities who are playing out this play, that eventually they're going to learn too and that their soul is going to grow and this is how the universe kind of grows. So it's an interesting concept that is actually explored in my book series, um, The Autobiography of an Extraterrestrial Saga. And I'll, I'll go into that now because it, it's a perfect transition. It yes. is, uh, so it's a four-part book series, and it explores duality on a human level and duality on a universal level. And... It begins with a Pleiadian man 
who is seven foot seven named Tehran. And he is uh, a solar commander within the Galactarian Alignment of Space, Peoples, and Planets. People here might call it the Federation, but they call it the Galactarian Alignment of Space, Peoples, and Planets. He also works for their subdivision, which is called the Star Seed Alignment. He is a senior professor at Melchizedek, and it is his job, his, he uh, uh, teaches all of the star seeds from all the different worlds all over the universe and other universes as well who have come to uh, take leave of their, we could call them celestial bodies or, or their extraterrestrial bodies, and for a portion of their soul to be incarnated on earth and as that soul grows and and uh, becomes has more spiritual sustenance more and more the soul can be um, uh, put in so that it will grow and expand and then this is again how we were talking about each light brings more light, brings more light, brings more light. So now, so Tehran uh, teaches all of them, and, and basically the books go into what the whole program is and everything, but also like what, what nationality, what race they're going to be, uh, if they're going to be male or female, how long they have to do this incarnation mission in, um, etc. He also teaches mighty messengers, which are star seeds that have already incarnated on Earth as every race, uh, creed, religion, male, female, gay, straight, asexual, bisexual. They have seen and done it all because now when they come in this next time into this incarnation, they are going to teach the masses about the universe. So theirs mm. is more on a global scale where the star seeds are on a personal scale, which goes from, uh, you know, into their family members and, and outward into the friends and things like that. So, Right. Now, here's the most interesting thing about Tehran. Tehran is an anomaly. When he was born, he was born dualistic. Out of every 200,000 births in the universe out there, one each being one being will be born dualistic and it's it's twofold. And and the simple reasons are that the fully conscious beings need a dualistic being to be understanding of who and what dualistic beings are, especially when they head out and start working with younger worlds. And the, the dualistic beings need fully conscious beings as examples of who and what they can become. So throughout the book series, the reader becomes the character of Tehran and they learn 
how they can become fully conscious beings right along with Tehran. Hmm. So interesting concept. Yeah, I like that. It, it's yeah, it's a it's a really really good concept. So the uh, so Tehran, this is part you know. So we learn that, but we also learn all about the Galactarian alignment of space peoples and planets, all of the various commanders. What are what are uh, the duties? How are they how are they here working on bringing Earth? up into universal society. So when, when people say, well, why don't they land on the front lawn? And why don't they, because we're, we are not, our consciousness is not there, is not matched with theirs yet. Right. I mean, they do pick contactees and things of that nature, but the thing is, is that on a more global scale, everyone consciousness has to be ready and so this is the preparation for that consciousness so mm-hmm. so Tehran is also given the um the task of going to a prison planet and interacting with uh lucifer who has been uh, on this prison planet for over 200,000 years. Um, and it is for, it, 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 the reason why it is such a long duration is to see if, the, if a being will finally become remorseful. And he never became remorseful. And he had never mm. accepted anyone to come and meet with him to take down his lateral statement. So Tehran does not want to do this, of course. I wouldn't want to do it. And, right. um, you know, who really wants to go and do that? I mean, what are you going to do? What are you going to say? So Tehran has to really study about who he was. And uh, he does try and get out of it, but the, but they, the angelic core will not let him. It's part of his uh, training. And um, so uh, he goes, and interestingly enough, um, Lucifer actually speaks with him. And we get to learn about who he was. Even though he's a created being, we get to learn who he was as a human, from a human perspective and not from a demonic perspective. Because everybody mm-hmm. here, we think of Lucifer or Satan. We think of demonic, right? Right. But this is a this is a whole different thing. So um, now I remember when the master teachers first brought me his energy, and I didn't know who it was, and I and I said I don't I don't know who that is. I don't want to write about that. And mm-hmm. they and they had to convince me to write about it and said that I would be totally protected as well and that, and that they would give it to me. So the, the interaction is really quite extraordinary in their first meeting. And throughout the course of the books, we get to learn more about Michael, who is, uh, you know, the head of the archangels. Uh, and created beings as well, 
and Lucifer and what were because they're the universal duality. So we learn about all of that and we go back and forth when when they were in harmony and what is the thing that triggered Lucifer into defecting and how did he get the angelic kingdom to come to his side? And I have to say it's pretty persuasive. I, I never knew this, right? It was really, really educational. And then book three is one of my favorites because Tehran has to write a dossier. So the book is subtitled Tehran's Dossier. And he has to present this at Lucifer's tribunal because he has, not, he has never come forth with being remorseful. So now he goes on trial for soul death. Mm. And if he is found guilty, then his soul will no longer exist, right? And yeah. I had never heard of that concept ever. And um, so Tehran has to do a balanced perspective of Michael's side and Lucifer's side and give this dossier before um, these older created beings that are called paradise sons that come from other universes, right? And they, mm-hmm. uh, they can look into any, the Akashic records, dimensions, uh, if someone's telling the truth, if they're lying, they can see it all. So the things are being, as things are being presented to them, we go back to Lucifer's original trial before he was put on the prison planet and we see excerpts from that trial and then we are also in his trial for soul death and you know we think there's only two outcomes he's going to go back to the prison planet or he's going to um he's going to uh, have a soul death and no longer exist. And then the answer to that is neither. You won't believe what happens because I didn't believe it because, you know, these books were brought forth by the master teachers when I had my spiritual awakening. So there was two years of preparing me to write the books. And then they would tell me to, uh, they said, okay, now you just sit down and you keep writing and writing and writing until you can hear no more. So in my, uh, in my, at that time, um, I was in my late 20s, and I lived in a one-bedroom apartment. So I, I used to have to write at the kitchen table because I didn't have an office. And then in my living room, there was a portal, and I could uh, see the energies coming through the portal and then they would stand behind me, and uh, I would just hear them talking, and I would channel uh, everything out. Uh, I didn't know what channeling was, but that's, of course, years later, I knew that that's what it was. Um, by the way, ever since I was born, I could see energy in a room. So if something was in my room, um, I could tell if it was good or bad and I started seeing angels at age 10 wow 
What so, a gift. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's pretty amazing. And it's like the story, oh, my God, I just, I can't even tell you. Uh, it's, um, it is such, it is such a universal adventure, but you get to learn um, just about uh, just everything. I mean, when Tehran, uh, I think one of the things that the readers will really love the most is when uh, Tehran meets his own shadow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the exchange there was the most profound thing I have ever, ever experienced in my life. Now, mind you, when that, when that happened, they actually gave that to me in a lucid dream so I could watch it. So I was able to just wake up and go right to pen and paper and write all of the dialogue and everything that was exchanged between him and his shadow. And, Gosh, it sounds uh, this like was, a great movie. Oh, my God. I it sounds know, like something we is. need to watch. We all I need to know, watch it. I know. Gosh, I know. Yeah, fantastic. Well, yeah, I've written the script to book one already. Uh, and have that ready, but this could be one of those great, you know, Netflix, HBO series yes. that I'm seeing it. That just I'm seeing it now. Keeps, yeah, yeah, just keeps on going and going and going. And, uh, and and I because I saw it so vividly, I um, you know, I I kept saving money and saving money, and I hired an artist and. Uh, and I had her create over uh, 80 to 90 artwork pieces of the extraterrestrials, their, uh, their galactic gadgets, uh, their ships, inside their ships, um, so that everyone could actually have another visual image of everything and actually see what the commanders look like. Because yeah, that's- I got to see what all the commanders look like. And, of course, Tehran, who the story's about, was one of my, uh, of course, um, contacts. And uh, not, in, not in person, right, but, you know, uh, mind-to-mind and that kind of thing. So, yeah. Um, and well, I've got, I've got a really... question for you. Yeah. I got a question for you about Lucifer and Satan. Aren't they two separate entities? They are. No, they exactly. are, and they and yes, and they are both uh, in the book because um, Satan, or as as they they channel through Satan, is how they pronounced it is that um, he was Lucifer's right-hand man. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was the one who um, who really did not want to go along with this rebellion and had to really be convinced. So, um, but of course, there there's a point in a soul's evolution when they start going down a dark path and they start beginning mm-hmm. belligerent, and when they're not getting their way, and there's a there's a time of snapping where they don't come back from, and they just mm-hmm. keep going down the path of destruction. 
until right. they destruct. So, yep. um, so this is why they give them these long amounts of time with sending someone to try and take down their lateral statement to see if there's any remorse within them, to see where they're at mentally um, and that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, they, and they also, you know, they also have a gadget, which is a mental mind reader that also, no matter what they're saying or doing, uh, it's in an exchange with each other, uh, uh, is that this machine can actually take down the wavelengths and see if they're telling the truth or if they're lying to get out of it. <laughs> right. So, yeah. Right. Well, I'll yeah, tell you, we have yeah. uh, Patrice Chaplin on the show and she wrote a book about Lucifer Morningstar. She's also written a book called the portal. She's, she's really uh, had some amazing experiences, but as I questioned her about Lucifer and it, it turned out, and this was not in her book, which was amazing. But we somehow I pulled it out of her, and she actually saw him and described him to the audience, and it was remarkable. So, mm-hmm. and it, again, that's what brought up my question about uh, Satan and Lucifer being two separate entities. So I yeah. think your series would be a very, very, it would be an excellent adventure, and also like you mentioned, something that would help us all kind of go to the next level of understanding of how, what is all of this. I mean, these well, advanced yeah. beings and all the trials and tribulations they also have chosen to go through and how it's affecting us today. And, again, there's so much to this that we need to understand. So we do. your books are perfect for that. It is. It is. And the thing is, is that um, it's, for people to stop being terrified of those two names because right. they, are pe- they are just people too and they went down the wrong path and you don't want to go down their path. And look, there is, there is nothing that either one of those entities can do to any of you. It's the people who decide to keep them alive through Satanism or, or different kinds of things like that. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, but you will find what was really interesting. And, and by the way, they are both artistically drawn uh, in the book as mm-hmm. well. And um, we get to learn about, like, Lucifer's personal life and things like that. And, um, uh, but it's, it's what, what you expect. You're never going to even believe what happens in a million years because I was like, oh, my God, wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. So, um and right now, uh, since I just finished the last MUFON book, I'm back uh, working on doing a prequel. Um, to I'm actually going to do two prequels to uh, the book, so uh, to book one, and go back and we will explore Tehran's youth, and uh, we're going to go in different timelines and. Uh, uh, go back into uh, Michael and Lucifer's extreme uh, friendship and brotherly love and learn about all of that. 
and then and then get into more of how um, how he actually uh, began to fall by learning of other things and things of that nature, and there'll be uh, new commanders and things. And then what I'll do is uh, it'll be seven books in the end. The seventh book will wrap up all the storylines and um, that, and then if, uh, if I uh, want to continue, I can take a character from the books and just continue on a whole different evolutional path with those characters because they're all so rich. Yeah. They're so rich and uh, robust and, and there's so much uh, to teach us. Yeah. 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 I mean, they were great. I'll tell you, this is, yeah, they're great characters and we certainly can relate. So especially to the dualistic ones that have the shadow side, like we all do. So that's tremendous. Again, it's autobiography of an extraterrestrial saga is what we've just been talking about. I do have a listener with a question. But again, before I go to the question, I just want to make sure everybody knows the links are in the show description so that you can find Craig's uh, GoFundMe campaign link as well as how to get personalized or autographed copies of his book. And, gee, all the information you need is right there. It's right there. And on the (laughs) homepage, by the way, of Autobiography of an E.T., if people want to get all four books, either in hardcover or softcover, they can do it with a click of a button, or they can just buy them individually as well. Excellent, excellent, Craig. What fun this has been. Let me just pull this listener onto the line real quick. Sure. Unfortunately, we're running out of time, but I wanted to give him a chance to say hello and ask you a question. Hi, you're live on okay. the air. Is this Hugh? Yes, it is. What a fantastic guest, and I want to do everything I can to help him with fundraising, and I can share a website that supposedly captures the face of the devil that relates to the church I was married in. If you'd like to see that under the miraculous photos, the website is smwa.org, and just click on miraculous photos. But I wanted to ask Craig if he did ever interact with Laura Magdalene Eisenhower, the great-granddaughter of uh, President Dwight D. Eisenhower, who met yeah. with Valiant Floor, uh, because I think she could be very helpful, too, in bringing attention. And also, I had mentioned in a prior show that Patricia brought me on, I have a, a note from uh, the gentleman up in uh, Canada that was the Canadian Defense Minister, uh, Paul Hellyer. And yeah. he. So I have some very interesting connections and very powerful synchronicities. I don't do email or texting. If I did leave a message at your uh, number out in California, and I did live in L.A. years ago, but I, I really feel that the world needs so much of what you have, and I can help you with that, and we can bring it right back to Patricia because she's doing such fantastic work too. Oh, Thanks. thank you, Hugh. That's very nice of you. And yes, I I am friends with Laura, and uh, I'll be doing her radio show I think next week. 
I think wow. we have that set up. The, yeah. I, I, I've been trying to get this person also to come on and connect with Patricia. She just started her own podcast, but she's quite something. Her name is Gail Hasten, H-A-Y-S-S-E-N. She's in Sebastopol, California, and she's very well connected with uh, Russell Target and remote viewers. I think all this needs oh, to be yeah. done more than, yeah. Well, thank so, you I'll so let you much. Finish you. Up, but if, if you can call me whenever it's convenient, if Patricia can share my number, because again, I have things that can help you immediately. This this has to come out because we're being controlled and manipulated too much. And one last thing, uh, you may also be familiar because she did interact with James Gilliland, Victoria Wojcikowski, because her father was a Secret Service agent. Yes, yes, that's right. That's right. Well, that's well, Hugh, thank well, you. Thank you, Hugh. We'll talk soon. Thank you. Thank yeah, thank you, <laughs> Hugh. Did, did you leave your number for Craig on his answering machine? I did. I I, I put okay. it to the number that he has for casting. I don't know if he gets the messages yes, there. Yes, that's fine. I get that. I get that. Oh, great. Okay. And, and, great. And if, so you guys And if I don't, talk. I'll get it from Patricia, not to worry. Yeah. But okay, again, you. Thank uh, you so I, much. Such, such much needed information, and uh, God bless you both. We'll get there. Bless Thank you, you. Bye, Hugh. Well, unfortunately, we are out of time. Loved oh, talking God, with you, Craig, as always. So <laughs> I know, too fast. But thank you so much. You it's too. been fascinating. Oh, I'm so glad because you know I'm going to have you back. So, anyways, everybody, make sure you look into the description of the show so you can help Craig out with his GoFundMe and buy those books. They sound excellent. We'll be back next week with another great show. Until then, see you on the Blue Highway. Good night, everyone. Bye. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another radio adventure with Supernatural.